Dr. Dean Hosgood is the Director of Global Environmental Health and an Associate Professor in the Department of Epidemiology and Population Health at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine. Dr. Hosgood has focused his research on variations of cancer susceptibility associated with environmental exposures. He is involved in a number of international case control and cohort studies, as well as global scale consortia evaluating the risk factors of lung cancer and hematological malignancies. While his research is conducted primarily in Asia, he currently has active ongoing studies on every continent except Antarctica. Dr. Hasgood has worked extensively on lung cancer among never smokers, which is distinct from lung cancer attributed to tobacco smoking. His research has been cited over 88,000 times in peer-reviewed academic publications. Dr. Hasgood graduated from Mercersburg Academy in 1998 after four years as a day student. While at Mercersburg, he was involved in soccer, skiing, and tennis. He is a member of the Irving Society, as well as the Cum Laude Society, and he is currently serving as the Vice President of Mercersburg's Board of Regents. He, his wife, and their two children live in Connecticut. And now I'm going to turn it over to Dr. Hosgood. Thank you. Great. Thank you for such a kind introduction. Um, before I begin, congratulations to all the new inductees. And I'd also like to thank Head of School Katie Titus, Associate Head of School Dr. Maurer, as well as Dean of Academics Jen Smith for their kind and humbling invitation to speak at this year's cum laude induction ceremony. When I was invited to speak to you today, I will admit I was a bit shocked. I immediately thought to myself, what could I have to offer to the students of Mercersburg with respect to academic success? The students of Mercersburg are well beyond the intellectual capacity than I ever was at such a young age. In fact, I often wonder to myself if I would even get into Mercersburg now. At any rate, this honor has humbled me and provided me the opportunity to reflect on my academic pursuits, which started here at Mercersburg. I've come to the conclusion that maybe I do have something to share. So with that said, I'd like to spend the next four, maybe five hours painstakingly taking you through my academic career. Actually, I'm completely joking in terms of the time frame. I know it's only me that stands between you and your weekend. While I may not seem as seasoned as some cum laude speakers before me, and my youngest sibling just graduated Mercersburg class of 2020, I'm also not that young. You see, I set foot on campus over 25 years ago as a ninth grader. There was no Hale Fieldhouse. There was no Simon Student Center. There was no Bergen Center for the Arts and there was definitely no Lloyd Aquatic Center. In fact, I'm so old that when I was a student, they had to remind us each day during lunch announcements to be sure to go to LenFest, log onto a computer, and check our newfangled email accounts for our homework assignments. As I share some reflections from my career, I'm going to flip the order chronologically to say where I am and then focus how I got here. So where am I? Well, you heard the introduction from Ms. Smith, and some of you may have Googled me, so you know who I am. However, please don't believe everything you read on the internet. But where am I academically? For a recent application to Harvard's executive program in innovations in healthcare and education, my institution's leadership described me as follows. Dr. Hosgood was raised predominantly in rural Pennsylvania, where he developed his interest in the natural environment. 
growing up around the healthcare profession with both parents working at the local hospitals, his scientific curiosity focused on the intersection between human health and the environment. These interests have culminated in Dr. Hosgood's academic pedigree integrating the fields of chemistry, environmental health, and cancer epidemiology. Now, you might be asking yourself, what does the intersection between human health and the environment mean? Well, I conduct large-scale studies of populations to identify which groups of people are more likely to develop a particular cancer due to a specific exposure in their environment. For example, let's take smoking and lung cancer. We all know smoking causes lung cancer. But why have some of us heard of a grandparent who smoked two packs a day their whole lives and never developed lung cancer? Whereas others may have known someone who smoked only one cigarette per day when they were younger, but never developed, or who then went on to develop lung cancer. I try to determine why some people develop lung cancer and others don't through assessing the interactions between that environmental exposure and the individual's genetics, as well as oftentimes their microbiome in terms of recent research. So how did I get from Greencastle, Pennsylvania to the Albert Einstein College of Medicine in New York? Academically, my trajectory went from Mercersburg to Carnegie Mellon to Yale, then to the National Cancer Institute and currently at Einstein. Of course, I would be remiss if I did not acknowledge my parents who supported and encouraged me in every step of this trajectory. Thinking back as to how my academic journey was fostered at Mercersburg, I'm reminded, reminded of the saying that we stand on the shoulders of giants. The Mercersburg giants who were most influential in my career were Peter Kempa for German, soccer, and various international trips, Eric Hicks for biology, Frank Rutherford for AP chemistry, and Rick Hendrickson for English. While all four of these giants taught me an immense amount of intellectual content, such as how to navigate the Berlin airport while speaking in German, or how to dissect a fetal pig, you know, all the real world experiences that we all really need, those were not the lessons that were the most influential in my career. You see, here I am over two decades later, and well, what can I say? Mr. Kempa, I'm sorry, I do not know any German. Mr. Hicks, I'm not a biologist. Mr. Rutherford, if you're zooming into this talk, I'm sorry, I've not done chemistry since I've left college. And finally, Mr. Hendrickson, my patient and resilient English teacher, I'm sorry, me ain't no good talker. But what I learned from all of those courses, experiences, and those giants was the willingness to fail and the resilience to try again. While they may not have known it at the time, they were inspiring me to push myself beyond my academic limits. Although I might argue that Kempa knew he was pushing me beyond my physical limits on the soccer field. In all seriousness, this inspirational teaching led me to be a student of chemistry at Carnegie Mellon followed by my first job as a molecular biologist at the Yale School of Medicine in the Department of Infectious Diseases. While my first job was intellectually intriguing, it was not my passion. Sure, it was interesting to grow malaria in a petri dishes and test various drug compounds on stopping the replication of plasmodium falciparum in a malaria-infected individual. But in my mind, something was missing. Through numerous conversations, 
colleagues would point out that it would appear that I was much more driven by the potential global implications in eradicating malaria than the molecular work I was currently doing. Upon much reflection, I followed this passion and drive to improve the health of populations throughout my graduate studies and career in epidemiology. Overall, I believe that my success can be attributed to these three attributes, willingness to fail, resilience, and passion for my intellectual pursuits. First, I will address willingness to fail. On the most basic level, this fear of failure can be paralyzing. In fact, I've seen far too often brilliant individuals succumbing to academic paralysis. Academic paralysis is when individuals are often plagued by the feeling that their final product are not, is not good enough, not sufficient, and not complete. To me, this seems to stem from the notions of perfectionism and fear of failing. If you are not willing to fail, you will not complete some important assignments, and you will never push your limits, your team's limits, or even your field's limits. In the field of academic medicine, we spend months and sometimes years to develop a research proposal. We agonize over every specific detail, nuance, and theory. We know that for, in order for us to receive the funding to carry out our study, which we obviously think is an important one, we need to be favorably reviewed by our peers, so much so that they are willing to fund our study over all other studies. As you can imagine, the bar is high, the pressure is immense, and all too often, people get stuck in academic paralysis, never submitting, never enabling a review of their proposal, and never receiving funding. For the sports fans out there, another way to think of this is through the quote by Hockey Hall of Famer Wayne Gretzky, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. In other words, due to a person's unwillingness to fail, they may never succeed. Of course, with this willingness to fail will inevitably come failure. In fact, the failure may also come many times. In my career, it has not been the failures that have defined my success. It has been the way that I responded to the failures that have defined my success. This is where resilience, or some might say grit, comes into play. When you fail, not if you fail, when you fail, the important thing is to step back, reflect, and decide how you will evolve from that failure. The final attribute that I think has been essential to my success is passion. Some might call this the Monday morning test, meaning come Monday morning, are you eager to dive into your work? Of course, that was pre-pandemic when we had Mondays and we're not working 24-7, seven days a week in the virtual environment. Pursuing a path that you are passionate about makes it so much easier to persevere through the failures and challenging times. Knowing that, knowing that you love what you are doing and committed to the cause will provide additional strength and motivation to be willing to fail and to build that also important and essential resilience. A prime example of how passion enables resilience can be seen in a recent success I had in my career. For over 15 years, I have been interested in if and how air pollution may cause lung cancer, as well as cancers other than the lung. The challenge at the time 
was that the studies around the world that had conducted had been conducted on this topic were limited in their scientific design and unable to draw firm conclusions. I spent years scouring the globe for these studies, meeting with each research team and describing to them how we might be able to address these scientific hypotheses if we combined our studies. After years of fine, I finally had enough studies and researchers willing to collaborate. To me, I thought that the hard part was done. I was very wrong. Remember when I mentioned in academic medicine, you design a study to the best of your ability and then you apply for funding? Well, I applied for funding over and over and over again. Year after year, I refined, improved, and modified this scientific proposal. Each year, I received feedback from the reviewers about issues they perceived in the design, or sometimes even comments that they did not think that this was a worthwhile scientific question because it's an issue predominantly outside of the United States. Can you imagine spending almost 10 years on a project to have someone say it isn't correct or it isn't a high enough priority? Well, I'm glad to say that due to my perseverance and seemingly perpetual willingness to fail, that this past year I was finally able to launch the global study on air pollution that will include over 1 million participants at 15 sites around the world to definitively understand the cancer burden due to these harmful exposures. In addition to my research role at my institution, I also play major roles in our master's program in translational medicine and our PhD program in clinical investigation. I teach these research skill sets to physicians and clinicians so they can carry out robust clinical trials to inform evidence-based medicine. For example, throughout the pandemic, I have been involved in the design and conduct of at least 10 COVID-related clinical research projects. Through this teaching capacity, I've mentored and advised hundreds of medical students, master's students, and PhD students. Within my academic community, I've been asked what predicts success of a student. Institutions are often keen to identify those students of who will be successful in their programs. To those queries, I say, well, we know it's not grades or standardized testing. Furthermore, given that each student is unique with unique experiences and unique circumstances, how can I even begin to fathom identifying models for predicted success? We as educators cannot always understand or comprehend each student's path and journey. Each individual student is unique in terms of not only their personal attributes, but also academic interests and pursuits. While I have never tried to quantify what might predict success for my students, I believe that it is these three recurring themes that many of my graduate students have in common, willingness to fail, resilience, and passion. Now, it may seem like I'm standing here before you today pontificating that I have figured out some unique and special recipe to help all of you in your academic pursuits, but that is far from the truth. Every one of your journeys will be unique. Up until now, I've spoken about my path and my success. However, there's a rapidly evolving landscape in education. The options for students like yourselves are different now. From the Ivy Leagues to the liberal arts schools, from undergraduate degrees to doctorates, from formalized higher education pathways to on-the-job technology apprenticeships. These are just to name a few of the options offered to you in the modern world. 
And for better or for worse, the pandemic has accelerated this change. The educational landscape is rapidly evolving and will continue to evolve in the coming years. So, as an epidemiologist who studies large populations, not individuals, I would say, do not take my path as the path to success. Do not take my lessons as the lessons to inform everyone. Instead, maybe use them as a framework when thinking about what success might look like for your academic journey. I will conclude, however, that if you're willing to fail in the process and you are passionate enough about your pursuits to have the resilience to persevere, no matter what path you take, your journey will be successful. Thank you very much and congratulations again to the inductees.